0: The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $1,000 risk free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now and visit WYNNBet.com and start winning today. Also, support to you buy PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use the promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com and the promo code SGP. All will to you by Prediction Strike. Prediction Strike is the only performance-based stock market where you can buy and sell shares of professional athletes. Use promo code SGPN to receive a free athlete share with your first deposit of $20 or more. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and... Podcasts.
1: Salah coming central. Well, He's played navigator in here, and Liverpool do take their early chance. I have to say the decision of wamba Bissaka in Greenwood to go on this side was really bad. All of a sudden, Manchester United nowhere near it allows
0: Liverpool to create an overload on the far side. And Salah, can he find the pass? He does absolutely
1: perfect Stake here between Shaw and Maguire Alexander Arnold and it's two easy Thiago Jota it's just a mess in the centre of Manchester United defence no conviction
2: at all they think they've got away with it but when you've got that quality that man at right back and the goal scoring form of this man since he came into a Liverpool shirt is a huge problem
1: Jota, Salah, break from Ali Keita, Salah! He keeps on going, Liverpool keep on scoring and Mo Salah is the man again. He scores for a tenth appearance in a row. Ten out of ten for the Egyptian king. Jota, Salah. Wow, it is... Absolute mayhem for Manchester United and Liverpool are cashing in on every chance. As I said, the minute they play a proper team,
0: this is what's going to happen. Half decent teams are conceding and scoring goals against them. Proper teams will batter them.
1: Henderson, what a pass that is for Mo Salah. This is going to be the hat trick. It certainly is. It's five. Inside five minutes of the second half. Ronaldo trying to drift in behind. Focusing and he scores in Ronaldo fashion.
2: i just be off, not sure. That red line. Oh, he is off.
1: Nothing. United. Quickly. That's a good challenge by Pogba. Delighted to see the yellow.
0: I don't think he's got a leg to stand on, Paul Pogba.
1: I think we all recognise that's the type of tackle that needs to go. It's lucky that Kate has got a leg to stand on. Yeah. Yellow is
0: changed to red. he on fifteen minutes. That was the audio from the worst football experience of my life. I was there at Old Trafford, Manchester United, nil. Liverpool 5, which has brought about this Manchester United show. been talking about it for a few weeks because there was a little bit of turmoil at Man United. Do we want Solskjaer? Do we not want Solskjaer? Is Ronaldo a positive influence? Is Ronaldo a negative influence? Why are we not challenging for the league? Why are we dropping so many points? And then this result came about and it became an absolute no-brainer to do the show. One thing that that audio clip didn't encapsulate was the reaction of the fans I've got some audio here from the half-time response to Manchester United going in at half-time 4-0 down to Liverpool have a listen to this Going into this game against Liverpool, um, I felt like we would pull something out of the bag. In fact, going into the game against Atalanta, I felt we would pull something out of the bag. And we did. We had to come back from, from 2-0 down to do it. Because that's what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's done. As soon as we've had bad results or a run of bad results and it looks like we need a change of manager, he pulls something out of the bag. And that defeat against Leicester highlighted a lot of the problems at the club. Losing 4-2 to Leicester when you're supposed to be challenging for the title isn't acceptable, especially given that Leicester weren't in the best run of form. And uh, the Atlanta win, it certainly papered over some cracks, especially when you won the second half 3-0. That gave us some hope going into the Liverpool game. However, one of our ex-players, Paul Scholes, he saw things a little bit differently and um, he gave some perfect analysis of what he thought was going to happen going into this Liverpool game. So, have a little listen to this.
3: You still don't feel that was a win worth celebrating? Um, <laughs> worth celebrating? Um, well, you, you celebrate every win, don't you? I just... The first half really worried me. Uh, as i said before, look, and I get it, and people are going to say I'm miserable and probably get slagged off by United fans, but that, that's just the way... I thought I, I looked at that game, thinking about Liverpool on Sunday. Maybe it's the wrong thing to do, thinking about Manchester City, because I thought in that in that first half, United were all over the place. They were disjointed. They had the two midfield players playing on their own. Now, if you do that against Manchester City or Liverpool, half time it will be three or four nil. You, you'll be out of the game. You're not coming back. And, yeah, it's great watching, seeing the excitement and seeing the United way, all the smiles on their face, all the attacking, all the goals, all the shooting, all the crosses. It's brilliant. I know that. But that first half just stuck with me. But When you've only won one in five, to win in that manner with,
0: with that atmosphere and that reaction, I mean, look at, you know, Cristiano... When, when you
3: say win in that manner, they've come back. They've come yeah, back yeah. to, like, great great spirit, yeah, great fighting spirit. They conceded still so many chances. Now, if you're playing against quality players, there's no way you're winning that game. Not a chance you're winning that game. And now everyone will get a little bit carried away with this euphoria. Now, will he play that way on Sunday against Liverpool? It it was that brilliant. It was that good. Everyone's smiling. Everyone's happy. Go and do that on Sunday against Liverpool. See what happens. Imagine Jürgen Klopp at home watching that game in the first half, rubbing his hands together.
0: So, yeah, Paul Scholes there literally calling... That we could be three or four nil down at half time. Probably sounding ridiculous at the time, but he came out looking like a genius when we were actually four nil down at half time. And the talk at half time when you went out of the ground um, to get your half time cup of tea, drink, pie probably some alcohol for most people, whatever. Um, the general consensus was is that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was going to get sacked after that game. Be it straight after the game or be it the next morning, the thoughts were that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was going to go. Because you'd never seen anything like this. I sat for this game at the Stretford End, and the Stretford End are the most hardcore Manchester United fans. In fact, it was only the Stretford End that were supporting United and still cheering the team on when we were 2-0 down against Atalanta. They were still behind the team. Whilst the rest of the ground were booing the fact we were 2-0 down against Atalanta in midweek, these guys in the Stretford End were still charting United, United, Red Army, Red Army, Red Army. So they are hardcore supporters. They bleed Man U. They stand on their seats throughout the entire game. It was frustrating for for my son sitting there because he had to stand on his seat the entire time. But you didn't have to stand for long because here's how things progressed. At 3-0 down, you saw people already leaving the game at 3-0 down. So people didn't even get to halftime. When the halftime whistle blew, they began to loudly boo and swear at the players. When we returned to our seat after half time where there was all the talk about Olegan and Solskjaer probably being gone and wanting him to be gone, we returned to our seats my son didn't have to stand anymore because there was a clear view to the pitch because that many people had left and decided not to watch the second half. Periodically, people continue to leave throughout the entire game. I continue to watch because I just don't leave football matches early. I haven't done that since I used to go with my dad. My dad always used to like to leave before the end to beat the traffic. I don't do that. I haven't done that since I started going with my mates as a teenager. Don't do that when I go with my son. Never do it. I just don't do it. But I did leave this game early. I left with five minutes to go which is a pretty good stand, given that a lot of the supporters left at half-time and were leaving periodically through the second half. I stayed to the 85th minute, largely because I had money on uh, both teams to score and over two and a half goals. That was my play for the game. And uh, was very annoyed when Ronaldo's goal was disallowed. And then at the 85th minute, when Cavani hit the crossbar from about a yard out. It just, we just knew it wasn't going to be our day. I just knew it wasn't going to be my day in any way. Even the skin that I had on the game wasn't going to come through for me. So it was a miserable drive home. But everything I listened to on the radio on the way home echoed what was said at half time during the um during the half time break where we were getting teas, coffees, pies, drinks, whatever. Everybody was saying solskjaer has got to go. He's definitely gonna go tomorrow. And that was echoed by all the pundits and everybody on the radio. Oligan Solskjaer came out and spoke after the game, and here's what Oligan Solskjaer had to say.
1: Ollie,
2: it must be difficult to find the words, but what can you say about a truly awful day for your side? No, it's not easy to uh, to say something. Apart from, uh, it's the darkest darkest day uh, I've had uh, leading these players, and uh, we weren't good enough uh, individually as a team. Um, can't give a team like Liverpool them chances, and unfortunately, we did. Where and how, from your perspective, did it unravel? Uh, well the whole performance wasn't good enough that's uh, that's for sure we've uh, we've created openings they've had chances they've they've been clinical we didn't take our chances early on and then uh, the third goal obviously is the one that uh, decided the game do you and the coaching staff accept responsibility for the performance and the tactics as well it's mine that's it you know then the coaching staff the br- very very good brilliant And um, I choose the way we uh, we approach the game. So, and today we were um, we weren't clinical enough going forward. uh, There were spaces for both teams, and when you give good players spaces, they score. Did you get it wrong in terms of trying to press them rather than playing on the counter, which most of your sides normally do? You know, that's that's a good question. I can't can't say anything. uh, Others, we're at home. uh, We're playing against Liverpool. We've. gone here over the last two and a half half years and had a similar approach to go high press and um, today they, they scored on their chances early on, they, they haven't done before um, and I think Man United, we should always try at home to uh, to go and uh, stamp our authority on the game, like I said before At what point in your mind did it become damage limitation? 4-0 That fourth goal there uh, is... Um, is the one that you go into half-time with having to score more than one every uh, every 15 minutes. I know these these boys are capable of it, but on the fourth, you know, there's extra time, first half. You think you can get to half-time and uh, organise everyone. Uh, but fourth, that was uh, probably game over. It's often the case of there's defeat, but there's also the manner of the defeat. Yeah. Or was that worse for you today? Yeah, it's You know, you can look back at last season, we lose a big one to the Spurs 6-1. This is worse, miles worse. Opposition uh, as well, of course, that makes it miles worse for me as a, as a Manchester lad. Uh, and um, it's just got to say that we have to uh, really get over this as quick as you can and uh, move on. You've been in football long enough. You know that you fellas in the results business. Yeah. The pressure will intensify enormously on you now
1: and the scrutiny as well. Yeah. First and foremost, has that put any
2: doubt in your mind at all that you are the right man for this job to take this group of players forward? No, I've, I've come too far. We've come too far as a group and we're too close to uh, to give up now. In terms of those who have been your supporters, the support the supporters in the ground themselves, they stayed in great numbers. They were fantastic. Supporting. And it could have gone... One way or the other, and in in a true Man United supporter uh, way, they stayed, supported the team until the end. How do you go about turning this around, Oli, after such a dark day? Well, that's uh, that's going to be a difficult one. I understand human nature. Players are going to be be low, Uh, but then you just look into the eyes and the character of them. Uh, I know there's loads of characters there. We know we're rock bottom can't can't feel any worse than this and then let's see where we uh, take it
0: I I honestly don't understand the part where he said we've come this far I don't understand how far we've come okay so things look bad and toxic when we were under Mourinho but prior to that that final season that Mourinho had or that half season he had we did finish second in the league in the season before that we did win trophies we did win the Europa League. We did win the League Cup. So we did win two trophies with Mourinho and then came second the year after and got to the FA Cup final. So he took over a side, finished sixth in the league. Then the season after that, he qualified for the Champions League for us. And then the season after that, he's ended up finishing second. So he's had two and a half seasons. It will be three seasons by the time we hit Christmas, the Christmas period where he took over from Jose Mourinho. And he hasn't won anything. He's lost the Europa League final, which was the point where I think that he should have been fired. He's lost semi-final after semi-final. And every time he's backed up against the wall... He seems to deliver a, a string of results. Last year, he probably should have gone after the Tottenham game. I think the difference between the Tottenham game and the Liverpool game was the fact that we didn't, we went down to 10 men in that game and just absolutely capitulated. In this game, we were just ripped apart from the start. The tactics are an absolute mess. He thinks that he set his team out to press. That isn't pressing. The way Manchester United went about pressing Liverpool isn't the way that Liverpool go about pressing other teams. Liverpool are the best at it. And going to press Liverpool the way we did was suicidal. He was counting on the fact that they didn't take their chances in other games. Well, they took every chance in this game and we were absolutely humiliated. For me... I love Oligan Solsha. Solskjaer. Ole Solskjaer, I've said before, is a lovely man. When you go to meet the, the Manchester United players, when you go down to Carrington, a lot of them will drive past you. It's a, it's a little bit of a bad experience, especially when you take a child down there. Uh, bearing in mind, there is so much opportunity for them to stop and give you autographs. There are two barriers, two entrances from two different sides of the grounds. And those barriers open to let you in and those barriers open to let you out. Children wait by the barriers and the players have to wait for the security to let them out of the barriers and there's a good 30 to 45 second window there some people know the players aren't going to sign by the barriers and they will wait those 30 to 45 seconds out and not give you a, a photo or an autograph so they wait by the next set of traffic lights on one side after the barriers traffic lights that go green for about 10 seconds and red for about a minute and a half so you to really good position to be it's advantageous to you if you're looking for a photo or an autograph to get the likes of a Cristiano Ronaldo down that side as my son has but a lot of these players are looking not to to meet the fans and and engage with the fans Ole Gunnar Solskjaer isn't like that He stops for every single fan, signs and talks to everybody. Even when um, the team bus, so the day before a game, the team bus pulls up to the ground. The players come up and park their cars and they get on the bus and they go to the hotel where they stay overnight for the home games and then they leave in their cars the day of the match. When they're coming there to park their cars, some of them won't go straight on the bus. Three or four of them will sign for a few people. They will sign sections. They will do stints of about five to ten minutes it's H. Meanwhile, during that entire 40 to 45 minute period, Ole Gunnar goes from one end to the other, just taking pictures and signing autographs with every single fan. He's a different gravy compared to some of these players. He's built differently. He is the epitome of Manchester United, which is why it's so sad to see this happening to him, and which is why we so badly want him to succeed as the manager. But I cannot wish for that anymore. I'm torn now this weekend in terms of what I actually want. Do I want this ended? And do I want a proper manager who is tactically aware of what to do? Uh, somebody who can go toe-to-toe with the other three that we're up against. You're looking at a Guardiola. You're looking at a Thomas Tuchel. You're looking at a Jurgen Klopp. And we're going in there with Ole Solsha Love Olegan Gunnar Solskjaer, as I just said, but he cannot stand toe-to-toe with these three managers. The Premier League now is the most attractive proposition in world football. Everybody wants to play in the Premier League. Everybody wants to manage in the Premier League. The money is insane. We are seeing how now Premier League clubs are beginning to dominate the Champions League because of the financial advantages that they have. And that's going to continue to happen over the next five to 10 years unless something changes. And we're going to continue to attract the best players and the best managers. And Man United this season, I think under a different manager, would have had a real chance of winning the league. Man United's problems are very, very similar to that of PSG in terms of we signed players where we really didn't need them. Particularly with the signing of Messi at PSG and Ronaldo at Manchester United. I don't think that either one of those teams quite needed either one of those players to get them over the line to achieve their goals. PSG for the Champions League and Manchester United for the Premier League. And the reason why I felt that this year was such a golden opportunity is because... I didn't feel like Chelsea were going to emerge as a dominant force. I didn't feel like Liverpool had the squad depth, especially with the African nations coming up. Um, and I didn't feel like Manchester, Manchester City did well in a transfer window by not signing the striker they needed. They didn't get the number nine. They didn't get Haaland. They didn't get Kane. And they didn't get Cristiano Ronaldo. We we did. Yes, we didn't sign a defensive midfielder, but you can't keep throwing money at this problem. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been well-backed by the Glazers. He's made many, many signings, and we've been given a lot of money to complete this project. And we are nowhere near winning the league. At this point in time, we are further away than we've ever been. And it now is time to make that change in in my opinion we're not going to progress with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer I almost feel it would be a detriment to take maximum points this this week against Tottenham uh, and then to beat Atalanta and then even if we, we beat Manchester City if we win those three games we know that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to stay so what am I actually rooting for this weekend do I want to lose the Spurs game which makes three Premier League uh, which makes three Premier League defeats in a row do I want to lose that game and then Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is gone do I want to win the Spurs game because we don't want to fall that far behind and perhaps we can take a loss in the Champions League because we've got ourselves into a strong position with back-to-back wins. Perhaps we should lose the Atalanta game and maybe he'll be gone before the City game or maybe we beat Tottenham, we beat Atalanta again or we avoid a defeat against Atalanta again which would represent a good result and Manchester City give us another lesson much like Leicester and Liverpool who collectively put nine goals past us in back-to-back weeks. Perhaps that will be what it takes for him to go. But I think, honestly, if Ole Solsha gets this win against Tottenham and avoids a defeat against Atalanta and avoids a defeat against Manchester City, I feel there's a real chance that he could get past the international window and come back as the Manchester United manager. The bookies have Ole Solsha as the favourite to go, but initially, straight off the back of this game against Liverpool, he was priced up as the 1-4 to favourite to go. He is no longer the one to four favorite to go. Oligon and Solskjaer now is the two to five favorite to be the next manager sacked. Behind him in the market is Daniel Farker of Norwich. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that because Norwich seem to have a very very weird project where they are happy to go down and they are happy to come up and that is almost part of the of the way that they function. Farker is available at 7 to 2. Next down is Dean Smith of Aston Villa who's lost three games in a row at 10 to 1. Nuno Espirito to Santos at 12 to 1. I don't think he's had a bad start at Tottenham, but they're just not happy with what he's delivered so far. Tottenham, for them, aren't working hard enough. They don't have as much of the ball and they aren't playing the Spurs way. So if you talk to Tottenham supporters, they aren't happy with Nuno. Claudio Ranieri, who just got employed, is available here at 16 to 1 to be gone, fifth in the market. Brendan Rodgers at 25 to 1. Bielsa at 25 to 1. Arteta 33 to 1. Benitez 33 to 1. Hassan Hutel 33 to 1. Uh, Bruno Large 40 to 1, Vieira 40 to 1, Graham Potter 50 to 1, and Sean Dyche, 50 to 1. Everybody else is 66 to 1 or bigger. With the the Manchester United issue here, I wanted to add the fact that the the complaints that Tottenham are making about Nuno and the, the fact that Tottenham are ranked very, very low in various data tables in the Premier League. And that is the same complaint that is echoed by Manchester United supporters, especially now, because when you have a string of bad results, all of these things are brought to the forefront. They are now at the front of everybody's mind. Let's have a look at some of these statistics. Manchester United rank bottom Of the Premier League for total tackles this season, making only 104. They are bottom 20th in the Premier League for Duels 1, winning just 376. They are 18th in the league for interceptions, making just 68 interceptions this season. Aerial Duels, they've won 108. That puts them 18th in the Premier League. Ball recoveries, they made 507. That puts them 15th in the Premier League. So... This is a real issue. It shows that Man United are not a hard-working team. They're one of the worst pressing teams in the league. Looking at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's defensive record here. Now, he did seemingly sort out the defence, but he has now dropped behind... Alex Ferguson, Mourinho and Louis van Gaal in the table. David Moyes' teams conceded 1.18 goals per game in the Premier League. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's teams now concede 1.13. Louis van Gaal was at 0.95, Jose Mourinho at 0.92 and Alex Ferguson during his time was at 0.87. The defensive problems have been magnified so far this season, where we've conceded 15 goals, which ranks 13th in the EPL this season. Our expected goals conceded is 14.23. That puts us at 14th in the EPL table. Errors leading to a shot. Now, this is horrible. Seven errors have led to a shot this season. That is bottom of the table. We are 15th in the clean sheet table, keeping just one clean sheet all season. And that was against Wolves. That was lucky in itself. And points lost from winning positions. We've done that five times so far this season. That puts us 13th in the table. Harry Maguire, from our defence, has made the most mistakes this season. From the seven sh- uh, from the seven errors leading to shots, Maguire has made three of them so far this season. Looking ahead, the schedule that Manchester United have is brutal. We have Tottenham this weekend. We have Atalanta after that. Then we have to play Manchester City. We come back from the international break. We're away to Watford. We're away to Villarreal. We're away to Chelsea. And then we play Arsenal on December the 2nd. So maybe this is putting off a, a new manager from coming in. Although at the same time, I think anybody would take the Manchester United job. When you're inheriting a squad like this, which is a top, top squad, this is a squad that's more than capable of winning the Premier League. If you are one of these managers on the list to take over, you'll be rubbing your hands to take over this team. Antonio Conte is currently the man that leads this market. Looking at the next manager market, Conte leads it at five to four. Brendan Rodgers is at four to one. Zinezin Zidane, who would be my choice, is at 10 to one. Eric Ten Hag of Ajax is at 12 to 1, Mauricio Pochettino 14 to 1, Le 25 to 1, Massimo Allegri 25 to 1, Roberto Mancini 25 to 1, Ancelotti 33 to 1 and Diego Simeone also 33 to 1 and uh, unfortunately so is Gareth Southgate. Gareth Southgate Get, uh, gets the manager's job at Manchester United. I don't think I'll ever watch this team again. The last thing I want is an incompetent ex middlesbrough manager who has only won international games as a heavy favourite and is also a social, wa- social justice warrior pushing a vaccine. I'm not interested in him managing Manchester United Football Club. The guy I want is Zinazine Zidane because I think he'll be perfect. I think he'll be a long-term fix. I think he'll get the best out of our French players. I think he'll get Paul Pogba to sign a contract. But I wouldn't mind Antonio Conte. They are the top two for me. Antonio Conte leads the market. The problem with Conte is that it brings a massive. Formation change to Manchester United. Now I addressed this in a tweet that I posted up on my Twitter account at SGP Soccer, where I was looking at um, how Antonio Conte would probably play. I think that he would obviously go back to his, his back three with the wing backs. I think Wan Bissaka would be the wing would be the the right centre back because he's a player who can defend very well, but he's not great as a right back, and he certainly won't succeed as a right wing back, given that he cannot cross the ball. I think Varan would be be, would be your middleman, and Harry Maguire would move over to the left-hand side. This works for him at England, so I think this would suit him here in this system. As for the wing-backs, Luke Shaw I think could definitely play as a left wing-back. On the right-hand side, with Wan-Bissaka tuck, tucking in in one of the centre-back positions, Diogo Dallo would immediately go into the team. Now, I think he's a decent player, really hasn't had time to shine, but if he doesn't work in this position, Manchester United would immediately be looking for a new right wing-back. We, we would certainly be looking for a defensive midfielder because we need to provide more protection here to the back four and at the moment or the back three in this instance and at the moment we certainly don't do that with the players we have I think Scott McTominay would go in over Fred and Paul Pogba would sit in in the other position initially up top I've gone for Cristiano Ronaldo Jadon Sancho and Bruno Fernandes. But Bruno Fernandes is immediately a square peg in a round hole because he's playing as a number 10, but in a wider left position. Obviously, you can get Marcus Rashford in this team. Obviously, you can get Mason Greenwood in this team. Obviously, you can play how Conte played at Inter Milan, which is with two strikers and one number 10, which means you could put Bruno Fernandes behind um, Cristiano Ronaldo and either Mason Greenwood or Marcus Rashford. But this would essentially mean Jaden Sancho is a completely useless signing for Manchester United. So Antonio Quante doesn't really make use of the squad that we have and the way it's built and there will be some players who are surplus to requirements and there will be some players that need to be signed uh, namely a defensive midfielder something Solskjaer needs anyway and most certainly a right wing back if Diego Dallo doesn't flourish in that position so that is the problem with Conte he would definitely come in and play this system and I'm not sure that Manchester United have quality personnel to play that at the moment but With uh, with Conte coming in and the tactics being completely different and the fact that these numbers, these statistics, when Manchester United are abysmal in terms of running and pressing and and tackles won, he would immediately sort that out because Ashley Young is a player, an ex-Man United player who went and played for Conte at Inter Milan and he said, all this guy makes you do is run, run, run. If you don't run in training and you don't run in games, you ain't going to be playing in those games. And I think that's exactly what these Manchester United players need. So moving on to this Tottenham game this weekend, as you guys know, I did not cover this on the EPL show because I said we were covering the the Manchester United content here on this Man United bonus show. And um, in addition to that, you do have a lock coming off this game as well. I reiterate, I did not do this to get traffic to this podcast. I did not do this to get more people to listen to the show. I genuinely think that the play I'm going to give out here to close out the show is the best play of the week here in the EPL for Match Day Ten. Before we get to that, let's listen to Ole Gunnar Asolchar's comments here coming into this game against Tottenham.
2: It's been a difficult week, of course. It's uh, uh, we've uh, had to deal with the uh, uh, result and performance against Liverpool, uh, which we know that w- wasn't good enough, and that's something that uh, footballers have to. Uh, to deal with. That's why we're in this game and you've got to look forward uh, to, to the next game, make sure you're ready for that game and when you get to that game, sort it out what has been um, challenging and the problems earlier on. And we've had a good week, good week uh, on the training field. Um, I have to say that.
3: Juliet Farrington? Um, you said after the game last week that um, you know you, your players need to sort the frame of minds out and make sure they go into the next game obviously being against Tottenham in the right frame of mind are you confident that your players are in the right frame of mind after the good week that you've had?
2: Well we definitely as I said we, we need a reaction and I did, it's my, my job as well to uh, put the players in the right frame of mind that's uh, I'm responsible for the uh, reaction for the result for the performance and we've Worked on the pitch. We worked uh, uh, on everything that needs to be uh, be sorted uh, for a footballer, and that's that's not just one bit. It's not just frame of mind. It's approach into the game, strategy of the game, game plan, uh, tactics, technically. So we've we've had a good week, and I feel that the boys are ready for uh, to give their best as they always do. Um, of course. The performance was... Nothing went to to plan and that was nowhere near our best. Ben Ransom.
0: Hi, Ollie. Um, It's part of club legend, isn't it, that Sir Alex Ferguson survived a similarly precarious position and then went on to win all the trophies that he did. Um, I know he was at the training ground this week. Did you get the chance to speak to him and do you
1: believe you can survive a similarly precarious position and go on to be successful here?
2: Yes, on both accounts. If that's short and sweet. Uh, apart from that, yeah, I uh, f- f- joking apart. We we uh, had a commercial day, and Sir Alex came to do some commercial stuff, and I, me- I met him and spoke to him. Yeah, just for a brief uh, brief moment, because he was in there with Cristiano. And you know, I still uh, or I've been through uh, some very bad moments here uh, as a player. Uh, and when I've been a coach and a manager as well, uh, I've had to deal with setbacks. There's probably been two or three crises, uh, at least, since I um, became the manager here. And uh, one thing I can say is that I'll always give it a good shot and fight back. And Bitton? Hi, Oli. What, what's, what's the pressure like? What's this week been like for you? Does it compare to those really bad moments that you had when you were injured as a player? Uh, or is this, is it, do, you just, do you just try and keep normal, keep focused? There's obviously all the external pressure. Does it affect you? Does it affect your family? I think it affects uh, everyone around, of course. I, I spoke to, spoke about it last week. Uh, I think Mikel... Uh, Arteta said something uh, about what we have to deal with uh, as uh, managers in high-profile situations. And that's what we've gotten used to. For me, um, as focused as ever, um, we've come in. I've had players coming up to me. So, so for example, I, I don't tend to read the social media, but when Paul came up to me angry, uh, we expect to be criticized we ex- because the, hands up the performance wasn't good enough uh, you expect to to hear it from right left center but we don't expect or ac- we can't accept when lies are being made up and paul came to me and uh, told me what he's put out on his uh, social media account and you know we we're better than that as a group the culture is better the environment is better we we don't we can't uh, stand for when when it's blatant lies, they've got to stand up uh, and say so. All the opinions and reports, fine, but don't make lies about players or me. Uh, Calson. Yes, Olola. Hi. I uh, just want to follow up on that
3: because the rumor mill always seems to, to pick up pace whenever Man United are in difficult periods, and and in this press. This
2: week we've been able to read about a dressing room in, in disintegration almost and we've also been been able to read that you're clinging on to your job. How do you see all that's written in the press and also social media in the last week? and, and how much of it is actually true? <coughs> you know, I think I've just answered that. And, you know, the players come in, the proper professionals, good players, good people, they come in, uh, do their best um, we have, a, as I said, the environment in and around the place here. We have loads of respect for each other. Sometimes, um, when when you come in for criticism like we do, you get into the trenches with your with your teammates, and that's that reaction I've seen this week. And you know, this club, with uh, with whatever we've been through before, it's always about getting through with courage, togetherness, uh, teamwork, self-belief and sticking together and this group has done.
0: Yeah, that's what Ollie had to say about this upcoming Tottenham game and addressing some of the stuff this week. I put that clip in because we had a little tease on the EPL show and wanted you to work out what he was talking about. What he was talking about was the story this week that was out in the press that Paul Pogba had said that he wanted to actually stay at Manchester United but he would only stay if Oligan and Solskjaer wasn't the manager. He came out and attacked the journalists that put that out, something to the effect of, um, don't believe this, they have no morals, they're morally corrupt. Words to that effect, I'm paraphrasing, but pretty much a scathing attack on the journalists about his future and the fact that he would only stay if Solskjaer wasn't the manager. It just seems like, Everything has got too toxic. I mean, he talks a good game there. He talks it up, and I honestly think this is a good spot for Manchester United to to have a response. Tottenham are not in a good place at the moment this season. They're also a team who are quite low down on the statistic tables in terms of uh, pressing and duels and tackles won. So this could be a game that suits Man United. Man United have had a whole week to prepare. Tottenham had a League Cup game in midweek. There's pressure on the Tottenham manager, Nuno Espirito Santo, as well. So you can see Manchester United winning this game, but But what is it going to take for him to get sacked? If he wins this game, is he safe? If he wins this game and loses the next game, is he safe? If he wins this game and the next game and loses the city, is he gone? Like, nobody really knows what the predicament is. I feel like they're not going to make a change to the international window anyway. I feel win, lose or draw this game, he is going to get these three games and a change won't be made to the international break. And if we're going into that international break, having won this game, not lost to Atlanta, having drawn Atlanta and avoiding a defeat against Manchester City, I feel that he'll keep his job. I feel like taking four points from nine from those games in any kind of order, other than um, losing to Tottenham drawing Atlanta and then beating Manchester City because I think it's going to be very difficult to fire him immediately off the back of winning the Manchester derby. I feel any combination of us getting four points or less other than beating Manchester City in the last game of that run will result in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being sacked. I just don't think anything's going to be done after this game, particularly because I do think that man united will find a way to win this game. Tottenham here are 15 to 8 to win it. It's 13 to 5 on the draw and manchester united are currently available at 13 to 10 but if you shop around they are available here at 11 to 8. I think as i said they do find a way to win this game. But my main play for this game and the lock that um, I wanted to give out on the EPL show but obviously made you guys come over here to, to this show to get was on both teams to score. Now, as I said, once again, I'll reiterate, didn't do this because I wanted you guys just to listen to the show and to get the numbers up for the show. I genuinely feel the supporting data indicates that this is the best play of the week. Man United have conceded in 12 of the 13 competitive games this season. So they've kept one clean sheet and they were lucky to keep that clean sheet against Wolves. David De Gea had to put in a man-of-the-match performance for us to get that clean sheet. Tottenham side, come into this having conceded in each of the last six Premier League matches. And Manchester United have actually won three of their last four trips to Tottenham. So they're in good stead here um, to pick up a win against Tottenham, a team that they do fare well against. Six of Manchester United's last eight away games in the Premier League have ended with both teams scoring being a winning bet. And Tottenham have only managed four wins in 11 matches in 90 minutes as of late. So... A lot of stuff here in Manchester United's favour here coming up against Spurs. It does seem like a good bounce-back spot. It really has to be because Man United cannot get any further behind. Even when you're looking at a new manager coming in and getting a good manager, getting a Zidane or getting a Conte, and Conte looks like the front-runner, Uh, you do want to have your team in a a reasonable position where they can still definitely go for the top four and have a slim chance of winning the title. But the way Liverpool look at the moment and uh, the lack of points being dropped by that trio of Chelsea, Liverpool and Manchester City, it just doesn't look likely that any manager can get us into this title race. Now, Conte has had an amazing turnaround in the Premier League before. Things weren't going well for him when he started as the Chelsea manager. And that was when he decided to change to his 3-4-3 formation. So, obviously, when he comes into Manchester United, he would if he does, that would immediately be the change that he makes. Man United would immediately go into the 3-4-3 formation. And um, I don't know if that's going to immediately yield results once again. It's very hard to see lightning striking twice. But I just feel whoever takes over, as long as they have more tactical know-how than Oleg and Solskjaer, they will immediately have... More more respect within this dressing room than Ole Gunnar does and there is a definite lack of respect I mean you can see I don't want to keep going back to this one example but if you have your 48 year old manager who's a legend of the club who's walking around and signing every single autograph for every man woman and child whilst you're sitting on the team bus that shows a disconnect for me. The fact that you cannot get your players to come down and show the same level of respect to the fans, the fans who are supporting you through thick and thin, that shows a little bit of a disconnect. And as I said, I don't want to keep coming back to that. I think there are a lot of internal problems that we're not aware of. You can see it in the statistics of the on the pitch. This team simply aren't working hard enough, and it is time for a change. And if you do want to get these players to work harder, Antonio Conte, is your man so going into this weekend as i said your lock from the from the epl show from match day 10 is going to be both teams to score here between manchester united and tottenham that is widely available at four to six minus 150 have strong supporting data here for that play and um I, I'm torn as in terms of what I want this weekend. I do want a new manager, but I am going to, the, to this game. I never want to be there and see my team lose. I mean, in a perfect world, Ole and Solskjaer wins every single game from now on, and I would be very, very happy. But realistically, that isn't going to happen. He, If he finds another way to save his job, we will face another predicament at some point in the season, and it will probably result in us not winning a trophy, either a Champions League exit or an FA Cup semi-final exit or something which pretty much ends our season and means we don't finish with a trophy and we just cannot let that happen once again. That's it for me. Good luck with all your bets as always and thanks for listening.